Brexit with Nate Schooler and Kim Adele. Hey. Hey, Kim. It's uh, good to see you. You too. How are things? Very good. We've been having a lot of water cooler chat this week. We have? <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, it's a bit, it's a bit chilly. It's, it's raining. But apart from that, I'm pretty happy, to be fair. Well, there's, there's lots to be happy about, isn't there? I think, I don't know. I think life sometimes throws us the odd curveball and we can either let it totally derail us or go, okay, what can we do with it? And this has been a week for just dealing with it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also it gives you, it gives you, it gives you an opportunity to refocus, right? I mean, that's the beauty of when things don't go the way that you think that they should go or you want them to go then you can reflect, can't you, and actually take a look at it and, and say, well, you know, is this working how I want it to work? Is it not? Um, so it's quite cool, really. It's quite exciting time, I think, actually, to be fair. And um, so here we're, we're, we're going to talk about water cooler culture, right? And I know you've got more experience with water cooler culture than I have, really, within within corporations, right? So do you think it's dead? Do you think, you know, with the pandemic and all this, that the culture is more difficult to um, manage? No, I think it just needs you to think differently. So, you know, f- for me, one of the one of the challenges when you start leading a remote team, and I led my first remote team 20 odd years ago, because <laughs> I really am that old. Um, but one of the things that I found was that you, you missed the real connection with people. And that's because you miss what I call the water cooler chats, those moments where you bump into somebody in the office, maybe making a cup of tea or you get in the lift together or you end up on the same staircase, whatever it is. But those moments that aren't a meeting where you'll ask something that's not about work or you might comment on the you know, on their outfit or ask what they're watching at the moment on Netflix, whatever it is. But you have those moments and we call them the water cooler moments, but they are those moments of real human connection as opposed to just dealing with work and then when you move to leading a remote team you suddenly end up very often in people's homes um like this you know so we've entered into somebody's home and we might not feel that comfortable with that because we're conscious that we might not normally have been invited but they now have to see us in their home so what tends to happen and certainly from a lot of the clients that I've worked with is they start talking just about work and they get out of the call as quick as they possibly can, thinking that they're helping. But eventually what happens is the person starts to feel disconnected because they're no longer having people that they work with ask how they are, ask what's going on, chatting to them about the things broader than just the work. So with a number of organisations, we've helped them set up the virtual water cooler so that they create an environment and a space where you can just have those opportunities to stop by and chat so that you can make sure that people stay connected. And I think in the new hybrid way of working, one of the things that we're finding is that whereas before people would go into the office to do the work and probably do the social activity outside, actually people are going into the office now for the social connection and are doing a lot of the other work outside. And one of the things that people are really focusing on at the moment is thinking about the activity 
and which location is most appropriate for it so that actually you're optimizing the chances for people to connect and team build. Hmm. Interesting. So with working from home, I mean, I was sort of looking looking into this a little bit myself the other day and found an article that sort of said that a lot more people are using like internal communication systems to sort of talk to each other and stuff like that. Um, so do you think it's sort of evolved in terms of the way that you're you're framing it is that it's it's kind of flipped on its head. Right. So it's gone from being all about work when you're connecting online to now being more sort of social, perhaps at the beginning to ask how people are and stuff or, or what? So I guess for me, it's about making it less structured. Nobody wants enforced fun. You know, we'll probably work for those organisations that had like Friday fun or something. You're like, what if you feel fun on Friday? <laughs> we want to be fun on Monday. Um, but so and I think you know, they, they can backfire. So it's finding a way to make it work with your people, but get them involved. Ask them what they'd like to do. You know, one of the things that we have is a is a daily standard, but we'll take it in terms what we're gonna uh, what we're gonna focus on. But we always have a bit of a chat first about the previous day, <laughs> you know, what's gone on, what went well, what didn't go so well. Um, just because it's nice to have that that connection. So I'd say make it make it personal. Make it something that works for you and your team. Involve them in the solution because the problem that you're trying to solve is making them feel included, making them feel connected. So tell them that's one of your challenges. Share some of the vulnerability that says, you know, I miss being in the office as often as we were where we could really connect. So, you know, what could we do so that we can maintain that ability to connect and then work on it with them rather than trying to create something that you think will work but may do nothing of benefit for them very interesting very interesting so i mean you said a lot about how we can improve culture i think it's what you're really saying is is kind of we need to listen to the people right and find out what they want is that kind of what what you're saying yeah, so you know, ask your people, you know, what is it that they want? How how did they, um, how could they see as creating the right culture? How you know, what kind of things would they like to include? Um, because you know, very often I remember working for one organisation where uh, we're not, I had not been there very long, and the scores had come back to say that they didn't think we were living the um, the values as a leadership team. Uh, so the leaders had gone away to to look at it and they came back and they're like, we've got, we've got this great idea, Kim, we're going to fix it. We're going to put posters up around the place of what the values are and then we're going to invite people to nominate each other for outstanding um, demonstration of the values. And I was like, okay, that's interesting because they didn't say they didn't know what the values were and they didn't say they didn't think they lived them. They said they didn't think we lived them. So I'm not sure that putting posters up on the wall and getting them to nominate each other is going to help fix the fact they don't think we lift them and they were like oh, i had not thought of that i said this well, what what should we do and i said well we don't know what it is we're doing currently that makes them think that we don't lift them so maybe we should just ask you know, what is it we're doing or saying or being that makes you think that we're not aligned to the values because it's not our intention but it is our impact so we started to have conversations with them and, and drop in um, pieces and then it's about getting really at ease with 
people's opinion. So, so I remember one particular girl had come back and, and she'd been and visited a different part of the organisation. And she was sat telling me and my senior team um, some of the great things that they that they did over there and what made it such a great culture. And she was saying, you know, they do, you know, they get emails from um, from the director when they've done something well and they do this that, and the other. And my team were getting more and more visibly frustrated. <laughs> so we kind of the tactical time out, uh, went to have a chat to them. I was like, what's wrong with that? But you do that. Um, you send emails, you do you you do a kind of employee, you do this, you do that. And I was like, right, okay. Do you think when we've asked somebody for their opinion? that the minute that they give me their opinion, if I turn around, go to my computer and find the email that I sent to that individual congratulating them, that they're ever going to tell me again. So she's going to think I don't listen and I'm blocked off from it. The point is she's not had one often enough, so she's forgotten that I do that because she hasn't had it happen to her again. I said, and some of that's because I can't tell what all... 1200 people are doing I need you guys to tell me what your people are doing so I know who to thank because I can spot the things I can see but I can't see 1200 people every day and spot all the bits that they're up for I said so you've got to really help me and give me some information I moved to a different organization I've been doing reflections of the week for nearly 20 years um, and we introduced it there. And every week it was like pulling teeth because I'd go to them and say, could you just give me a sentence of what, what you'd like to thank your team for um, or anything that people have done, done well? And they'd be like, oh, oh, nothing really. I went, so they've worked for an entire week and you want to tell me that they've done nothing of any value. Uh, and they were like, I said, because that's yeah, a bit of a dodgy thing to say to the CEO, because I might wonder why I'm paying for them. <laughs> like, they'd look and they go, well, I don't mean that. I said, no, well, of course not. But if you can't find the time to find a sentence to thank somebody for what they've done, how much do you think they're going to feel valued? So we should be able to find something every week to say look what happened this was great or somebody did this and actually it really made life easier or and get people to nominate each other get them to share what's going on you start to create a culture of gratitude and that is one that always delivers exponential results because when we feel valued when we feel appreciated then we'll go the extra mile and I think for me it's just it's involving them in the in the solution because if you tell them what it is you're trying to fix even if you get it wrong, they'll know what your intention was. They'll also know if it's going wrong. So they'll be able to come and let you know that, you know, you're trying to do this. It's not working because it's not having the right effect. Um, whereas if you don't tell them, what happens is you think you've solved something and they're looking at it and going, why are they doing, why are they doing that? We've told them the problem's X and they're doing Y you think Y and X are going to equal you know, a, a resolution. So I think in anything, it's about being comfortable that as a leader, we don't need to know all of the answers. We need to be comfortable that we can ask the right questions to find people that have got the answers. And that's going to take, help us to move forward. Wow. So basically, it's about creating like a really supportive culture where you, whereby you you actually ask questions, you ask the people um, how you can help them, right? Obviously, reflecting on things that have gone wrong as well, yeah. 
Yeah, I, well, I guess for me, and this is just my personal opinion, but for me, I've always thought as a leader that my people were my customers. And if I'm not delivering what they need, then they won't buy from me. I And therefore, they won't work from me, for me because the only thing they're buying is my leadership skill. So the best way I can find out, just the same as with any business talking to their um, clients, the best way you can find out what people need is to ask. What is it you need? What problem have you got? What desire do you have? And how can I help you achieve it? And I think once we've got those, once we understand, because very often we've, we're responding to what we're making something mean, not what's actually happening. So and that's because we layer all these other parts in. So asking the questions as to, OK, so talk to me about why we were doing that. What, what were you trying to achieve allows you to understand the person's intention um, rather than just respond to their impact. Wow, that's that's very very interesting. It's um, we've had a few comments on on Facebook here. I'm just I'm just having a quick quick look here. Um, Michael Michael Hargreaves he says I like to think that the future will look that look like that home industries that existed prior to industrialization. If you measure worker well being by the percentage of income spent on food and shelter plus life expectancy, we're much better off. The issue is that there are too many people doing unproductive work of, of directing too few workers with manual skills. Interesting. It's a big, big conversation that. I mean, I was looking into the corporate. Um, I was stuck on one frame on on LinkedIn with no sound. Oh, dear. No, there's not a lot I can do about that, I'm afraid. That's uh, that's quite frustrating. But there we are. Well, it's, uh, we can repost this afterwards. Yeah, we'll re we'll repost it afterwards. Um, so yeah, I mean, they were saying something the other day that that actually productivity is around two hours and thirty seven minutes per day for people, which I thought was very interesting. So it sort of shows you that um, we got we, we don't need to be working as many hours as we've been working right and um you know that itself creates a water cooler culture because if you take the time which isn't the two hours and 40 40 minutes and then you go and have a conversation with people then you know you've you've you're building a culture aren't you so you're spending more time building culture than you would have done on unproductive work right potentially um yeah I, I, yeah i guess i think i think it's um i guess it's the definition of productive work isn't it um and the thing is you can't be productive all of the time that's why they use things like erlang c in call centers because you are going to be unproductive you're going to have to get up and walk to the photocopier and whatever whatever those parts are they still need doing um you know there are some tasks that are just non-value add to anybody in which case we should identify those and remove them but there are some that are non-value add that actually still have to be done because there's either a regulation or a um, or a law or they've got an impact somewhere else uh, in the journey but I think it's about taking every opportunity we have to engage with people and to check in with them see how see how things are going if you know if we have that if we, if we have that mentality that that's what we're going to do, then you you just becomes a way of life. It's like, you know, you're walking through the building, you just check in on people as you go, walk past. You don't have to make it so planned. I think, you know, a bit like 
you would with your friends. You just check in. You don't plan for it and overstructure it and overthink it. And a lot of that is around getting confident that you don't have to know all of the answers. And that's probably one of the largest challenges for leaders is that they often feel it in place where they've got to have answers for questions they've not even thought of yet. And to just go, I don't know, can sound really, really easy, but it can feel very hard if you're the leader to say, I don't know. I remember the first time I ever stood up, I was stood in front of a room full of people and they asked me my, they'd asked an answer on something. And I had not been there very long. I said, I'll be honest, I can give you my opinion, which I will. Um, but I don't know the actual answer. So I will give you my opinion, then I will go away, I will get the actual answer, and then I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> we'll learn together. Um, but it was about feeling comfortable. It was like, I could have got myself really nervous and gone, I'm on week one, they're going to think I'm hopeless, and I don't know how to do my job. But I was like, well, I know I know how to do my job. The person who's employed me has employed me twice before, so they know I can do my job. So I don't know the answer to this. I'm going to get comfortable with saying, I don't know but let's find it together because then we start to create that culture where it's okay to be learning things. That doesn't mean to say we go out and make mistakes on purpose, but it's around saying what we want to do is keep learning, keep evolving, keep growing. And to do that, we have to admit that we're not going to know everything. Every single day is a school day. We're learning something new wherever we're, wherever we're going. Oh, it looks like it's fixed itself. Thanks, Gary, for letting us know that was really helpful. Thank you, Kim. It's been uh, it's been really enjoyable. And uh, <coughs> excuse me. Thanks to everyone for uh, for listening. We really appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thanks for listening to Master Mindset. Please don't forget to follow wherever you listen and tell your friends. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>